Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host, Jim Hall of Brooklyn Games, here with my guest, Logar the Barbarian. Hello, I am Logar the Barbarian. And welcome back to this Bizarro series where uh, I get to ask Logar questions about running the game and and get uh, some knowledge from his experience from decades of running the game. So um, thanks for being willing to answer some questions for me. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) And so today we're going to talk about world building. And, uh, you know, it's a big topic for dungeon masters and game masters out there. So, you know, just to kick it off, how do you start the process of building a world? I I don't have one process. I have many. And, and, and actually, we did a whole series with Yohai about some of that. At with the collaborative world yes. building. Yeah. And, and I'm going to ask you about your collaborative <laughs> world building as well, because I'm interested. So, so there's that. And, yeah. and then... Um, I, I've I, I've done it different ways over the years. I'd have to say the largest amount of world building that I did was a Heroes Unlimited campaign. We ran for about a decade there. So uh, what did that look like? What did that process look like? I don't think we realized at the time, like, like the term world building wasn't something I would have used, but we got very in-depth to creating this world. I think one difference in that campaign was we had it that the campaign was based on the world and less on the characters. So what I mean by that is we had lots of different characters we would swap out and play. And things were, well, everybody's seen, or most people have seen like MCU movies and stuff like that. Sure. But at that time we were heavy into comics. So we were kind of emulating what, you know, Marvel comics and stuff was doing. And 100%, I was emulating Marvel comics. Like I would just try to rename characters and mimic. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like how Logar is uh, very similar to uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Logar is Conan the Barbarian. When I made it, I was like, I want to play, I want to play Conan. (laughs) So so when, when were you uh, playing this game? This is back. uh, This this would have been through the nineties. We played a lot of this. Okay. I think we first picked, I can't tell you where the year we first picked up heroes, but the, the longer form uh because some of those characters and, and plot lines existed before the the regular group that started and got together in 93 but we played it throughout the 90s and some of those before but anyways um in that campaign we 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 spent a lot of time I'd say emulating other things out there but what that translated into was in a lot of ways something very unique. Um, because everybody would see a movie or read a comic and come up with an idea. And we switched off with Dungeon Masters back and forth and kept on adding to this world with various characters and et cetera and expanding. So we we got into sociopolitical issues uh, at a point at lots of points in time, uh, major world events and stuff that would be tragic. And, you know, superheroes would have to respond to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at a point in that respect, that was very much a collaborative world building effort where we were building upon each other because we would switch off who was running the game often as well. Yeah, that's super interesting because you know, world building happens a lot of times on the fly. Mm-hmm. You know, entire uh, nations will be uh, created <laughs> on, you know, in like a half second uh, decision that the DM makes. And so. Just imagine, uh, you know, a group of multiple DMs making those decisions. Um, yeah. And so how, how did you keep it cohesive, you know? 
Um, I don't know if we, so one of the things is we were always writing and drawing little comics. We did keep record of some stuff that way. I don't know how much of that exists to this day. I think that I can tell you where some of the character sketches are, but they might be in an ex-wife's house somewhere. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's oh, they're the, gone. They're Yeah, so like, <laughs> oh, I know it. Oh, she had those box. <laughs> so um, I think that largely it was just us doing so by memory. I didn't keep a good track and record. Now, I'm going to say that, like, I've, I've run in the last quite a few years a lot of Lost Lands campaigns. And mm -hmm. I, I want to talk about that for a minute when it comes to world building, because looking through some of the modules there, they they have done a lot of world building. And I'd say that a lot of that world building is collaborative. That, that campaign world is said to have existed since like 1977 or something like that, yeah, uh, but only sure. been in print for the last 20 some years. But 20 years of putting out modules and, and, and bringing it to a cohesive thing. And one thing that I've seen in that is a lot of times I, I've re been reading through, like, I love to read. Mm -hmm. So reading through the lore and stuff. And then I see where things seem disjointed and I try to pull them together at times. But like, I'll read an adventure. Like, well, this one example is that there's a couple of the Lost Lands adventures I feel are extremely similar, but different and very close mm -hmm. in region, but different enough that I wanted to start start messing things up and creating a greater ties so by looking at what else was going on and trying to ask myself how this influences here it starts at like well in, in this case i'm talking about it starts at one little fort there there are starts at one little city and, uh. and you and you build from there so if that makes any sense i can't yeah. say i'm the i'm the biggest greatest or what's the word i'm looking for yeah i can't say i'm the greatest expert on world building but i've done a lot of it over the years my world i have a i have a i have a campaign setting that is mine uniquely a fantasy world okay and I uh, can, tell me about it and yeah. I, uh, it, it, it it started with an idea originally to reach a destination and building up the around that that lore of that destination, that destination, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think we ever ended up reaching until the <laughs> end of that campaign, like three years later or something like that. Yeah, it, it was about <laughs> it, it was it was a few years. Um, and at the end of that campaign, I think it was kind of like, okay, you finally reached it, but we never went there. Actually, it was like, okay, there's the doorway. You walk through this, and you will be transported to this place. And that place was a a school. The idea was there is this uh, there is this great almost interplanar school that existed mm, where. Yeah. So it's, it, I guess you could say there was an element of like a magic school, but it wasn't just magic that was taught. Either. And how much of that was uh, kind of prepared ahead of time versus, you know, like he had it all ready to talk about or did, did it just kind of like come up on the fly or um, this this interplanar school? I over prep. So originally okay. I had I had a vision in my mind of of a scene <laughs> like like almost like uh like like I was directing a movie in my head and I had this scene and I could see so like that would be cool. What is that? And I'm and before I ran, I, I kind of fleshed out and created what it was. And fleshing it out and creating the school. Now the school itself exists in the middle of an ocean. It is on this huge cliff wall on every side, like an island. So you can't really come at it 
from any side easily without having to scale yeah. this very it's deadly a, cliff. Essentially a fortress. Yes. And and it's just kind of there. And in the center of the school is a library uh, that was created from a volcanic eruption. These mages stood around the, the volcanic eruption and cast its spells to form it into this giant towering cathedral that oh, is that's cool. a library yeah and, and in the place around the library was little like statues of all the different mages who were at that point in time legendary for doing so mm-hmm. and fleshing that out we we literally played around with time travel and and made some of our magic users the mages whose statues were out there by going back oh that's cool <laughs> so, that's super fun now, focusing in that area, I, I, a lot of the times the things that I would focus on when I was fleshing out this world that this was all based around was um, current social political events. <laughs> yeah, and so um, I mean that kind of gets to the uh, kind of the meat of the, the concept of world building is what pieces do you pull together to create the setting that mm-hmm. uh, your players can explore because the you know the world is a, a, a big set yes and there's stuff going on but really it's just like a place for them to explore so you mentioned uh, socio-political sort of groups and um, concepts you've talked about this a little bit before but maybe uh, where, where do you pull those those uh, inspirations from so um a- as a as a back Ground. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I got involved in uh, the anti-war movement and I got into a lot of activism for quite a while. And I ran a political blog because I have this very real addiction to political news and stuff, as well as books. I read a lot of uh, social theory. I read yeah. a lot of uh, kind of more radical histories that are maybe not what they normally teach in school, especially I'm very fascinated. I got a degree in uh, Latin American studies and Latin American politics is one of my okay. fascinations. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hmm. uh, I mean, that, talk about uh, uh, control of history. The, uh, <laughs> the United States has uh, got our hands dirty there, don't we? Yeah. And, and a lot of times it's just current events um, and me being angry angry about something that's occurring and i am lampooning the people i'm angry at <laughs> and so while, while you're uh while you're building out a world maybe it's almost like cathartic to create those scenarios but of course you want to put those scenarios in front of your players and see what they do with it do they yes. uh but a lot of your players kind of have similar beliefs to you right yeah i think a lot i think we 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 seek out people that um, perhaps not always agree with us on everything politically but because i because uh, not everybody most people don't agree with my politics 100 <laughs> percent. i have a very kind of fringe political stance and that's okay uh yeah. i i'm very used to that especially going into spaces trying to organize within communities realizing that i am kind of on a fringe so or playing games just kind of bringing those ideas and i'm not looking for someone to 100 percent agree with me yeah. um but i mean it's is... almost more interesting the 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 ripples at the edge where you don't agree you know yeah and and there is a uh there but there is something that we seek in our groups some kind of uh there are certain things i'm looking for like i would like to keep i i i do a little bit of gatekeeping um mm-hmm. and and largely for like safety of players and and comfortability comfort of the comfortability of players you know we have yeah we don't necessarily have like hey as they talk about like uh like like a lot of times game groups can be just like 
white cis heterosexual men. And while there are a lot of white cis heterosexual men within our game group, it's not all white cis heterosexual men. And I don't want to bring someone into that space that's not safe. So there is kind of that control element that we've been intentional about within the group. And that um, that's interesting when it, uh, thinking about world building. I know I've considered this before where um, the world that I uh, often will play in, there are elves and dwarves mm-hmm. and humans and gnomes spread all over, as opposed to kind of your more classic fantasy where you have like, this is the dwarf kingdom and this mm-hmm. is the elf kingdom. Yes. And uh, that sort of uh, uh, society that's incredibly tied to race is... I don't know if it's just the world that I want to be playing in. You know, that doesn't mean that you can't have those worlds and uh, make them kind of compelling, but also like, again, safe. So, you know, I'm thinking about uh, like you've you've had discussions about uh, modules related to Asia. And Mm -hmm. it's always it's not one place. Oftentimes it'll be like Asia. The the amalgam of like Orientalism that occurs. Right. And it's, (laughs) and it's like, um, you know, it's not a respectful environment. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question really is, do you take that into consideration? Oh, yes. Respectful environment. Um, in terms of the world building though. I try to, I also have changed. So like, I was born in the 70s and I I did not have the kind of uh, knowledge when I was younger that I did later on. So perhaps some of the things that I did when I was younger playing mm-hmm. in world building, I would cringe at in this day and age. <laughs> it yeah. would be, oh, live and learn. And uh, and 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 that is what it is. Uh, I was, you know, I was born in Ohio, lived in the Midwest. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I ended up a lot of the years I was playing, I, I lived down in out, outskirts of Cincinnati, Ohio, before I took off when I joined the Marines and left mm-hmm. the area for quite a while. So being very, so I'm a social theorist. Uh, I, my degree not only was in Latin American studies, but also in social theory and sociology. So mm-hmm. I'm really into just the, how societies form, um, how, the ideas behind what it is we reify. So the philosophies and concepts that, that infuse in there. So I think about that stuff a lot. So like an example in world building is, because uh, I do not, so I do not totally avoid concepts of racism in my games. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to tackle that kind of things. And I know there's a lot of discussion about that, but these are the kinds of things that I have spent a lot of time reading about and thinking about and learning about. Yeah. And like, I'm going to give you the an, an example right now of how I've done that. So I'm reading a module and, and there's a race in there. The ogres are, are, are always slaughtering humans and, the, and humans are slaughtering ogres. So I look and I say, that's not unparalleled in history. Mm-hmm. And you can look at the, the ideas and how these people approached things. Uh, what people perceived as or or presented as evil, often being a race. And I like to kind of throw stuff in there to upset those ideas. You take that thing that's occurring and you tackle why it is those conflicts are, where it is they came from, and kind of point out how screwed up yeah. it is and have people respond to that. I've had very interesting responses, and I think – in the long run, I think most of the players tend to go in places where I feel is ethically correct in response to those kinds of conflict yeah. dilemmas as you present them. 
And presenting those conflicts and dilemmas, sometimes they get thrown out there completely just bland and we drive into it. Sometimes when I'm creating a game, because I'm very sandbox oriented, I will just know about those conflicts, those sociopolitical type of conflicts that are occurring Mm -hmm. between like orcs and humans. Like, where does this start? Nobody can really remember where this conflict start. But, you know, humans were raiding orc villages because orcs were believed to be evil. Why? Because we've always done that. And then you kind of build on that from there. And then you have a (laughs) conversation with an orc and they're like, you know a beet farmer or something like that yeah. and you're like wait you're just a beet farmer yeah and uh and and exploring that and, and trying to explore where because because those are the kinds of conflicts that exist in our world all the time mm-hmm. yeah. and 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 looking at those helps to build a world i i lean into those kinds of things often when i'm creating and building now my my world that i've created is very um What's the word I'm looking for? It, it is very, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the manual of plants. <laughs> oh, so lots of interplanar, uh, interplanar yes. uh, travel and that sort of thing. So the, the actual physical world that my school exists on has a larger world that's fleshed out, but then there are other worlds that converge so that I can dabble and try other things along those lines. So it, yeah. it's, it, there are different planes that are definitive in this world. I don't have a name for my world, but I should probably name it at some point in time. <laughs> so, yeah, you have uh, multiple planes. Uh, do, you, do you subscribe to sort of the D&D uh, material plane, ethereal plane, all that, all that stuff, or, or, or is it kind of more loose, loosely tied to that, or, or what? So I do to some extent in that world. Now <laughs> the uh, the ethereal plane does kind of exist, but the but the the mechanism for traveling through planes is more inspired by um, M. C. Escher than anything. Like there are really? there are just, and this is oddly enough something that i'm kind of like pushing into like expanding when i've been writing that whole hobo's guide and we're world building on that because there's a lot of world building going in on that thing i've been writing it's largely what it is (laughs) but um but this whole like i I really like these uh i have these dreams (laughs) i have these dreams where i'm wandering through like like my uh, my grandmother had an old farmhouse that was huge and in my dream, sometimes I'll be back in, in some of those rooms and then the hallways will keep going. Mm-hmm. And and I've always seen this as like a dungeon because then I'll like pop out in, in a shopping mall and then into an old house that I used to live in and, and, and all these different disjointed places that are just kind of meshed together in my dreams. And they're, they can sometimes be a little frightening in weird ways. And sometimes mm-hmm. they can evoke like, uh odd emotions of sentimentality and loss of of things like people who have passed or divorces or you know what i'm saying things like that can come into them but it's disjoining all these places and that's kind of that dream world that i have i've kind of used as my my bridge between planes so you kind of walk through lots of bizarre doors. <laughs> Those are the liminal spaces, air quotes, that mm-hmm. uh, uh, players will travel through to get from one place to another. That's also very interesting if you literally tie it to the character's dreams. So, um, you know, tell me about a dream that your character had. And then that is a literal thing that they have to travel through. Oh, I'm stealing um, that from you now. 
please, please do. It's a gift. I will use that in the future. I have never done that, and I wish I had. There, there, there's a couple of comments here that I want to make. Uh, one, you talk about uh, lost lands. Yes. And uh, so there's sort of like the uh, the campaign setting, mm -hmm. and then there's adventures on top of that campaign setting, right? Yes. And and that kind of leads to a different sort of level of world building where, you know, someone built the Lost Lands map mm -hmm. and they wrote down all the factions and, you know, thought about uh, trade and that sort of thing. Um, so there's that. But then there's the, the kind of on the ground experience that players have. And so, uh, you know, when you're playing Lost Lands, what sort of stuff are you adding to the game? That's sort of in that world building kind of category. So one of the things is I, I, I've, I've run some of the Lost Lands modules uh, over the years. And what the players have done impacts the world as I see it now and as I direct it. So mm -hmm. I change it as it goes and the players actively change it. So things like um, there may be dungeons and areas where certain things happen in that module. But when I take a group to that place at this point in time, it has changed and evolved. And I've contemplated how things have changed and why in response to what, either in response to what our previous players have done or the wider world itself and how yeah. that is not exactly, essentially not exactly as they had laid it out. So I'm changing the Lost Lands as I as I move through it. Yeah. It, it's it's dynamic to me. <laughs> and well, that way it feels dynamic to the players too, because their decisions have an impact. And that's kind of the, that's the gold standard of role-playing games, right? Well, the negative things is I've, I've ran the Lost Lands quite a bit over the year, over the last so many years, and not many players have seen all the impacts that they've had on the world because it'll be a different group experiencing the impact. But for me, I've been, <laughs> for me, it's great because I'm exploring along with them as I'm learning about it and as they're interacting with it. Uh, that That's actually really interesting because... Um... Talk about collaborative world building there. You're crossing groups and really uh, it all exists like in your head or maybe on some piece of pieces of paper and stuff like that. But like the fact that that world can be inhabited by these different groups that don't even realize the impact that they might have on each other is is kind of interesting. I'll give you I'll give you a story I feel is is a good one to tell for this for world building about the mm -hmm. campaign of my world. So I I told you about the the, the old campaign where I thought of the school and they reached there. Eventually, we ran a campaign from the, that was based in the school for a few years. And the players okay. there, we, we ran for quite a while, and they, they messed up the world and everything else. Um, the players, eventually, we, we retired them, rolled up their children, and they played their children. Um, oh, that's cool. 16, 17 years later, something along those lines. So they were young, you know, 18-year-old kids yeah. off to adventure. Because some of their characters had actually had children in the campaign they already knew who they were going to play <laughs> that's super interesting we we have not gotten to that point but i like that that's cool so what happened was i said what we did was i took the some of the original characters and i said oh and i 100 ripped off star wars with this i said okay this is going to be the vader type character this is the obi-wan type character this character uh -huh. you know so they're the the larger like 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 you have luke discovering obi-wan and and learning about there's this evil vader out there and we had this whole epic thing where one of the characters ended up becoming this very evil 
powerful baddie in the world who was essentially seeking demonic lichhood. She had become a lich and everything else. Um, And and by the end of that campaign, he was pretty much trying to lay waste to the entire world, bringing all kinds of la la la. You know how that goes. <laughs> Bad um, guy stuff. Yeah, and there was a the uh, one of the other characters because uh, I at this point I was playing their characters as NPCs, their original okay. characters. They're playing the kids, and one of the characters had been seeking to make magic weapons as one of the many things that they were their goals was. Well, in this continued world, they had created magic weapons. In fact, the most powerful magic weapon that they had, which could stop the evil lich. And the whole intention of this thing was to. The the weapon, all it would do is bring life. So if you get stabbed with a sword, you're just going to start sprouting with life, trees and flu- you know what I'm saying. Like like maybe oh, not. Wow. Co- so if your power is it lies in death, it kind of nullifies it by bringing all this life and turning you into something living. Maybe not the human you are, but you know something living. Yeah. <laughs> nature, very nature like. And that was the only thing it was made for. It could only be used once. And we we had gotten to the point of the big baddie. Now I'm going to do a sidetrack because my, my my players got into some shenanigans in a dungeon, <laughs> and and something I've only pulled out a few times and it always goes horribly awry was the deck of many things. And one oh. of the players pulled out an alignment change to an evil alignment, and they played it. They they played it here and there. They would do some suspicious things, but didn't play it up that much. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that they were building up as we got to the very last facing the baddie <laughs> my player um instead of using the weapon that they had been toting to kill the baddie they got on their knees offered it to the baddie and asked to serve in their, in their oh wow so the weapon was used on the uh, on one of the other players and the rest of the players took off with the lich on the dragon into the sky to destroy the world and serve evil <laughs> Wow. And I absolutely loved the ending of the campaign. <laughs> it, it it took me for a loop. I was not expecting it. There were times towards the end there, that last session, where I just had to stop game and go have a smoke for about 15, 20 minutes and think yeah. about what I was going to do next because I had no idea how to respond to what they were doing. <laughs> Taking a break in game. That's uh, that's when I got to use my... Having to uh, smoking cigarettes does make that a little easier, but... Hey, uh, before we run out of time, I want I did want to ask about how your experience with actual collaborative world building, yes. uh, you know, kind of what that looked like. Um, it's something I've done a couple times now after listening to those uh, episodes that you did with uh, Yohai. And so what did that look like for you? Would you do it again? Oh, yeah, definitely. I've been enjoying it. We're, we're running that. We're using Castles of Crusades. We laid out poster boards. I sat there and got the where are they right here? Oh, no, they must have fallen behind. Oh, here they are. I have these uh these hex note cards we use and everybody oh, yeah. got to draw a space on it and we put it on the poster board and they drew on the map and we made it and they all gave me elements to work with. It, it, it created a unique world that that I've had to kind of respond to with them. And as we're going, I'm kind of taking in what they're saying as well, some of their ideas and incorporating yeah. some of that as well when they don't realize it at times. <laughs> so it's great. <laughs> it, it has made an interesting, rich world. And it's made me have to, there's a back and forth, a dialectical process if you're into Hegel. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
Hegel has the there's the concept here's the thesis, the antithesis, and then the synthesis. So the thesis is this is how history kind of evolves. And you know, Marx later uses some of these dialectical concepts and materialism, but that's another thing for me. <laughs> uh, so that's occurring at the table, and that's occurring in the world building is this dialectical process. Because I have this thing that's in contrast to what they're doing, and they bring it up. Like, okay, I've got to adjust to that. So there becomes yeah. a synthesis where like, like, oh, that threw that out of the window. But no, it doesn't throw this out of the window when I can. And and it just kind of constantly evolves. I could not yeah. have made the world that I have now that they're playing with had they not given me that input and they had not done yeah. that. It would not be nearly as interesting or colorful. The process that's occurring, and I'm going to call it the dialectical process that occurs in game. <laughs> check out my new blog. We check out the dialectical process that occurs. Yeah. Anyway, go on. And, and 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 that's an extremely simplified way of talking about the dialectical process, but it's essentially what is going on in that world building where we're collaboratively world building it as and I'm doing it from week to week. And I've I've expanded it and I, it's much richer and more interesting than what I originally thought of. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm of curious, that. like, what sort of questions did you ask? What sort of prompts? So uh, when I was doing the prompts, I was trying to. I said, "Everybody, here's what I said. I said everybody gets, um, everybody gets a card. They get to add a thing." And then I asked everybody what I believe it was, what a thing that does exist in this world and then doesn't exist in this world. We worked from there, mm-hmm. and as we went through, my questions were kind of in response, just questions that I had to About what they those. were presenting. It's like, so yeah. when you say this. What are we and we kind of clarified and I used a consensus uh, democratic type of approach with the table for the most part and asking everybody else. So if you brought something up that you wanted or didn't want, it wasn't necessarily in stone until the entire group had voted and agreed upon it. So there were a few things that the rest of the group agreed upon that I was not thrilled with (laughs) that I've had years of work. My least favorite is that there's no undead in the world. And I'm like, no, i got to have some skeletons to throw at you. But they're so fun. <laughs> so that made me have to kind of go other places, but it got way yeah. more gruesome. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like they're still alive? But, yeah. Uh... So like, like, okay, so this is a feller who has a really bad, horrible fungus condition. <laughs> That's eating yeah. away at him. And it's probably contagious. So we're not running into skeleton. Like, he's groaning. Skeletons. He's groaning. Save me. Kill me. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's attacking. Yes. <clears throat> so I've, ha- I've been able to lean into that kind of thing. So it's made me have to think a little more on my toes. And I can't like lean into a lot of stuff I've leaned into in the past. So it's been interesting. Mm-hmm. It's created something I've never had at the table so far. I've, I've had similar experiences. And um, um, I, I'm curious if this happened at your table. Um, well, you start. you did the, the collaborative world building for all new characters, right? Yes. We met our characters after we made the world. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that that's cool because um, I know I, I'd played it before where... Um, um, I was playing in a game with a uh, prismatic uh, wasteland, you know. Yes. Like a, you know, and uh, he tied he he one of the his prompts was, uh, how does your character connect to one of the tiles that was mm-hmm. created, one of the hexes, which I thought was a really cool question. I think but, a lot um, of the players, when they put their tiles out there, were thinking of their what they wanted for a character, and a lot of them connected yeah. their hex to their character. 
initially, but that is a good question. I should probably think about asking in the future. <laughs> well, that's the cool thing about that process is like you keep building. You can, there's no reason to stop like asking those sorts of questions and building out from there. But yeah. well, I think we're probably uh, about on time. Yeah, so uh, that's exactly what I was going to get ready to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, do you want to do the, the sign off here? Certainly, certainly. Well, uh, it's we're about out of time. Could you tell them where they can find Brooklet Games on the internet and find oh, you? Sure. <laughs> yeah, you can find me uh, online at patreon.com slash Brooklet Games. I, I put out uh, about a zine a month. And um, also I'm on Twitter. So twitter.com slash Brooklet Games. And as always, you can find us or me. Uh, I'm on Facebook at Wobblies and Wizards. Just search it. Wobbliesandwizards.com is my blog. Uh, our blog, I guess. There's a few other people that write there. Um, boy, I can usually ramble this off this morning. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom. We're on Patreon. We can really use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.